0: Ram It, Jam It, with John Fogarty. Your music, I mean, it obviously has such a universal appeal and connects with people in so many different territories. But as a Southerner, I can tell you something you already know, that it has a particularly special connection with the South. And I know that Southern music and artists had a tremendous tremendous impact on you as an artist and a person. What kind of significance does this region states like Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee, still have on you personally?
1: Well, I think I've always just had a, a, a special place in my heart for the South. Um, a lot of things you may even find curious, meaning that you don't notice them like I do, <laughs> perhaps. <laughs> I mean, obviously, the music and, uh, well, even simpler than that, just the way people talk. Uh, and the way they interact like a conversation um i was just really attracted to that as a as a young boy um i you know i don't know what came first the chicken or the egg in other words did i was i predisposed and therefore i loved uh classic southern songs or did the songs you know kind of mold me and make me love that area uh, I just know that I grew up paying particular attention. I would say even in stronger than that. It all just, it just felt very familiar. I mean, it just seemed it made the most sense to me <laughs> of, of anything. Um, it's so it's just weird. But when you're a kid, you don't how can I say you don't have big long philosophical discussions. You just kind of know what you like, you know. And so I went there, but uh, in my heart, but. Uh, There's so many things that, you know, I love southern cooking. I love uh, pecan pie. (laughs) There's just so many things that were were natural to me that maybe I didn't even realize that they were southern at you know then when I was enjoying them. Uh, But as I grew older, I began to kind of it's it's almost sort of weird how uh, much of a, a kind of a what's the word a personality. Uh, affliction I had for all all things Southern. You know, I love good old Southern ghost stories, and it's just on and on.
0: <laughs> You're making stops in several Southern cities on this 1969 tour. Why was it important to you to play in this region on this tour?
1: Well, you know, I think uh, in the beginning, way back um, in the very early days of Creedence, uh right away, I started noticing, you know, obviously, I had written Proud Mary, and uh, they say I had never been to the South, at least in this lifetime, uh, as of then. Um, but I really felt strongly uh, akin to places in the South, especially the Mississippi River. Um, and so early on, I mean, some of the very first shows that Credence did were uh southern. I remember being in Little Rock, uh places in Louisiana like Shreveport and Baton Rouge. Um it <laughs> yeah, it's hard to describe. I just it just seemed like uh there was a very close connection at least to me personally. And so of course when setting this up, um it just sort of it, it was all very natural as that. <laughs>
0: Well, so I, I know that the 1969 tour began in Canada last year, late last year, and you had and you had to even add more shows because of the fan demand. Why, why has this tour been so special for you and your band so far?
1: Well, you know, um, of course, the idea of actually concentrating on a year like this came from my beautiful wife, Julie. And if you know anything about me at all in the last, you know, several years... Uh, I I give my special wife a lot of credit for uh, kind of making me normal again, uh, whatever that is, but I I certainly was Abby normal, let's say, uh, 15, 20 years ago, Um, and she pointed out that 1969 was kind of special, you know, I've heard guys like you that would talk to me and mention the three albums in one year, and I go, oh, yeah, that was a pretty good year, you know, but you know i was even then i was even 15 years ago i was younger you just sort of you kind of take everything in stride um you're not really because i'm too close to it of course uh, it you're not making a big deal about it but kind of now uh the, the, in the same way an athlete might look back on his uh career especially maybe in college or something it, if he set some kind of records you know it it was very unusual for for anyone to release three albums in one year. And what had happened was um, I basically, you know, we had our one hit, Suzy Q, and and I really did not want to go back to the car wash. You know, I'd been a gollywog for quite a few years, and you know, that wasn't, you know, really setting the woods on fire. Um, and so now I, we had a chance with Suzy Q, and the other deal was, I didn't want, of course, didn't want to be a one-hit wonder because <laughs> that's the other curse of a little bit of fame, you know. So I got really, really busy because I took stock. I, you know, we were on a tiny jazz label. We didn't have a manager, we didn't have an agent or a, or a publicist or any of that stuff that all the big groups like the Stones and the Beatles, you know, anybody that was anybody had all that stuff and we didn't have anything and i remember just saying to myself well i guess i'm going to just have to do it with music and that's what i thought would work and so i tried to try to create as much good music you know quality music as i could my my idols people like the beatles and elvis had uh, always had you know two-sided or yeah hits on both sides of a single that sort of thing um and so I, I really set out to do that, and I, you know, obviously, I was working feverishly, coming up with uh, songs. I was songwriting. Uh, you know, nowadays the phrase is twenty-four-seven. Um, you know, I did. I did fall asleep every night about four. <laughs> but yeah, I, I just thought it was really m- almost my duty to to go after this thing, and, and it wasn't until. Much later that I realized, wow, you know, you really did, you did that. You put your head down and kind of said, I'm going forward and, and you know, worked really hard. But uh, the end result, that the, the very amazing thing was here we were, a little band from my, you know, my hometown of El Cerrito with the one hit, a, a cover song, Suzy Q. And within about a year and a half, we were the number one band in the world. Actually surpassing the Beatles, which was—I I thought that was impossible. I didn't. I'm not even sure if I pretended that would ever happen. Um, but as far as sales, you know, and notoriety, in that one special magical year of 1969, uh, all those things happened. So it, it's it's a worthy thing
0: to kind of celebrate now. So <laughs> I, I know that your shows—they they often easily clear 2 hours with a really fast pace all set long what about these songs celebrating this year that was so important to you gives you that energy live to charge through these sets with that kind of edge
1: oh well i you know i just think rock and roll is uh it's one of the musical forms it takes a bunch of energy to do um to do well anyway <laughs> you yeah. Uh I don't know if you're asking about my personal conditioning. I I run every day so I keep my my uh, endurance up, I guess you'd say. Um I just I, you know, I have a it's fun. I have a great time doing this, you know, after of course I was sort of kept <laughs> in a penitentiary for a long time and and uh, not allowed to go out there. So nowadays when everything is so great uh, I think the energy just comes pouring out of me. I'm I'm really happy to be doing this.
0: Your personal music history in, in such a uh, specific cultural moment, obviously, in your career drives this tour. But I know that your own influences and the general history of rock and roll is really important to you and in your performance, where you'll share a little Jerry Lee Lewis or Huey Piano Smith with the audience during your set. Why, why do you make it a point to share that history with people during your shows?
1: Uh, well, that's a really good question. Um, number one is because I love it so much. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just uh, you know, um, it, it's important to me to show the, how I was influenced. You know, kind of what what different flavors were kind of poured into me to make me turn out the way I did uh you know one of the people the, the very first one as a matter of fact that was important to me was stephen foster um and i had no idea of course when i was little i was like three and a half years old my mom gave me a record that had uh camp town races on one side and oh Susanna, one of my very favorite songs on the other side and i think being that young i probably thought that was she explained to me that the songwriter Of these songs was Stephen Foster. That's a that's a very unusual thing uh, to be telling a a child of three and a half. But I you know I remember it. I mean I took it to heart. And she played the records, the the two songs, and I'm pretty sure that I thought Stephen Foster was on there. You know, (laughs) I I had no idea. You know, I hadn't sorted things out yet. and I, I grew up most of my life believing Stephen Foster was from the South. Uh, his brain was, you know, his musical soul was, but kind of like me, uh, he had just absorbed it or, or adopted it or whatever. It turns out Stephen was actually from Pittsburgh. Um, but he kind of took a flight of fancy just like me. He was, he was very influenced, I suppose. And so I, you know, I'm kind of, Telling that story, uh, guys like, uh, as you say, Jerry Lee Lewis, a Fats Domino, uh, Bo Diddley, Hank Williams, uh, you know, just so many great Southern artists. In fact, when I went to the first Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction, uh, they inducted, of course, ten people. And I looked up there and I said, well, people are almost asking me, what, what's this Southern thing, John? Why, you know... And I looked at all ten of them, some some of whom were still alive and some of whom were no longer with us. And of ten of them, I was I knew for sure nine were from the South. Uh, the tenth one was Sam Cook, and I wasn't quite sure where he was from. But I went home and checked it out. This is long before the internet, of course. And it turns out he was originally from Georgia. Um, and so you know, I was kind of going. See, I rest my case all the early rock and roll is from the South, you know. So, um, and even going back before that, you know, country music and jazz and, and that sort of thing, uh, and writers like Tennessee Williams, It to me it's important to, I guess, to show who I was attracted to uh, and in the little ways that I can show on stage and, and still kind of keep the show moving. You know, you still want to, I don't want to get up there and be a, a science professor you know <laughs> um but in ways that, that perhaps people that know about me but don't know about those artists uh huey piano smith uh and the clowns of course those that that great music those records that he made that they made um i dare say some younger folks may not know about that music which you know is always there in my consciousness you know in in the way that i've Play and the way that I love you know when I'm thinking about stuff that really makes me feel uh, uh, warm and fuzzy, you know what I mean <laughs> about music uh, there are you know there are quite a few things like that that it's it's great to think about you know and and in my opinion have never been topped, have never been uh, bested by someone else. Uh, boy, I would love to hear a lot more of that kind of thing right now, you know, on the radio. <laughs> some uh, some talented uh, younger
0: people making new records. Everybody in that audience, they know every last word, every guitar lick and, and element to so many of the songs that you play. What does that kind of crowd interaction mean to you at this point, more than 45 years later from 1969, to see it right in front of you? and see what it means to so many people i mean i i've even heard women are throwing bras up on the stage on this tour already
1: <laughs> well remember that my wife julie is about you know 40 feet to my right she's just off stage uh helping and you know i've been the luckiest entertainer in the world because uh, my wife comes with me and therefore the kids come a lot shane is actually uh in the band, my son Shane, who's twenty three at this point. Um so I really enjoyed that. <laughs> you gave me a kind of a chuckle with that story, I'm I'm sure uh, on one hand Julie's probably thinking, Well,
0: I'm I'm glad they like
1: him and then yeah,
0: but not like that. <laughs> Aside from the whole bra thing, but just to like to see the people singing these songs back to you as you're singing them, does it mean a lot to you? to see that as you're performing that kind of energy from the crowd and how important that music still is to them.
1: Oh, that's the most wonderful thing, Ben. Um, you know, I, I mean, I'm truly blessed that, um, that I'm still around, you know, that I kind of got to go through that awkward middle part (laughs) where things were kind of, uh, you know, tricky for me, uh, and survived to be, to get to enjoy this, you know, um, because the fans, I mean, it's just the greatest. You know, the the energy at a live show is just it's just so much higher than whatever you could do in a studio. And to get to enjoy that with people, I mean, and of course, it's the energy is a thousandfold because there's all those people sort of thinking the same thing at the same time. Um, I love it. I mean, I, I look down and I'll see somebody's singing along you know and I, I mean uh, a a kid that's like nine years old and you know later after the show I go, man how can he know, you know how can he know all those words that kind of thing <laughs> um that people know the guitar parts you know when i go into a solo or start a song with a certain guitar i mean you're absolutely right
0: that's just that's the best Yeah, and so much of your music, I mean, like I said, timeless is just a word that keeps popping up when you think about it, read about it, whatever. Other artists can't help but be inspired to blend your work into their work, particularly on movie soundtracks. And I know that you've said in the past that you're flattered to be honored – you know, you're flattered and honored to be a part of a a movie like The Big Lebowski, but – it's such a timeless classic like your your music in a way that it seems to resonate even more with people as years go by. Has your connection with that movie or any other films that your music is featured in has that changed or grown in any way for you at all? Um well of course
1: the big Lebowski having become such a cult classic and uh, you know I, the way that the references are are pretty cool. I mean it, you know if he thought I was a geek and hated the music but played it or you know but instead this uh lovable character is uh has adopted you know credence and i mean one of my favorite scenes is where he's <laughs> he's driving down some back alley and uh they're play- he's playing looking out my back door but he's he's lost uh, the exact location of a joint that he's <laughs> He's lit up in the car, and so he's hopping all over his car seat because he's <laughs> i think he's on fire <laughs> crashing into you know uh garbage cans and various things in the street uh It's hilarious it's great to it's great to um be part of a scene that brings so much joy to people. That's a lot of fun
0: recently someone asked you about honest advice that you would give young musicians. And you said that they should be careful about who they choose to be their friends and not to be overly generous and confuse that with friendship, how your friends can change and how things can suddenly turn against you. How have things changed for you personally since you've adopted that philosophy and surrounded yourself with people that create such a positive environment around you?
1: Well, I, you know, <laughs> um, it's great to be working with people that you really trust uh you know it's great to be working with people that are happy to be there um you know and and enjoying the situation and you know that that especially at this stage of my life i mean you you really how can i say you you really you feel like you don't want to give much time to things that are annoying you <laughs> or if something is just really hard to do you, you know you get older you you know what i'm going to just kind of close the lid on that and sure switch over to do something here that i enjoy <laughs> you know <laughs> um i mean i i love to work and sometimes when you know working which of course my work happens to be music uh sometimes things um are a process it can it can be hard or it can be uh, take a lot of energy and sometimes you're tired you know you got to work until the wee hours that sort of thing but there's always still a kind of a it's not like you're in the army being sent to Vietnam if you know what i mean sure you know it's still there's a positive goal to it um and that's where you know human beings love to get together and and uh, all pull a, as one for sort of a a worthy goal even you know it, i find that even uh, most things most things that are worthwhile do take some work. I mean, it isn't just like falling off a log. Otherwise, everybody'd be able to do it. Of course. Oh, you asked about advice, though. Um, I would say one of the, you know, all kidding aside about the old days. Right. Um, what what changed was um, people's, let's say their their own goals or their own ambitions changed unfortunately we we did have agreements i'm talking about the guys in the band of course we had some very clear agreements among ourselves but i didn't get those in writing i sure should have gotten those in writing because they were able to change their mind you know as late as the 90s and say you know what i'm just not going to do that anymore um you know and you had people's word on certain things that uh certain things were allowed and certain things were not allowed as far as uh how we would uh, let's say use the music or use our our position even in a a band that would no longer existed let's say and if had I gotten it in writing um we would still be honoring those agreements but instead people went back on their word it's it's very upsetting but um there's not much you can do about it if you don't have it in writing
0: Well, Ms. Fogarty, I know people are really looking forward to these shows in Alabama coming up, and I I really do appreciate your time and wish you luck on the tour, and really look forward to the show in Tuscaloosa where I'll be attending. Thank you again, and have a great day. All right, you too. See you later.